Welcome to Peacemakers, an interview style podcast where you'll hear and learn from world changers, ministry leaders, creatives, and many others who are influencing change and bringing peace to those around them. We're so excited that you're tuning in. Here's your host, Jonathan Moya. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Peacemakers. I'm super excited about today's conversation. Today's guest is Caleb Paxton. Caleb is a founder of Liberatus, a community journal on wholeness and politics, giving us inspiration to overcome us versus them narratives and become Americans the next generation will love. Caleb is a former congressional aide with a decade of experience working in American politics. He's an entrepreneurial professional with a background in operations, policy, public speaking, and writing. I'm glad to welcome Caleb to today's podcast. Welcome, Caleb. Thanks, Jonathan. It's good to be on and good to talk with you again. Yes, thank you. I'm so excited to be speaking with you. So glad that you you get to share with us today. And I'm excited to talk with you and hear more about what's happening in your life, Liberatus, and your vision to bring peace, a voice in Washington. Before we dive into just the serious part of the conversation, let's just start by telling listeners a little bit about uh, how we met and the trip we took to South Texas, specifically the South Texas border in 2019. From your perspective, I know that it's not rare anymore to meet people on social media, and that was kind of our first interaction, right, when I learned about Liberatus and the work that you're doing. And so that turned into some conversations that eventually led us to physically travel together, right, um, and meet up on um, the South Texas border and learn about firsthand, you know, about the humanitarian crisis that was happening there. And so what do you remember from that? <laughs> I remember you reaching out and saying, I want to hear more about what you guys are doing. And I looked at uh, your Instagram feed and felt the same way and saw the opportunity to bring for trips to the southern border. And through Liberatus, one of the things that I've wanted to be able to do with our writers is to be able to create new immersive experiences. And so that we are not only writing about our experience from a standpoint of being professionals in politics, but experiencing something new and reshaping our perspe- our own perspectives in that process. So coming to the border was a chance to to do that. And you know, I, I always I'm I'm a vision person, so I always dream a lot bigger than what's possible in the moment. Uh, but I kind of finally realized, well, I, I can come, and maybe other people will come, maybe not. Um, but it ended up being you, me, and, and Emma, another writer, and, and Anna, our photographer. It was a good time, but the, it was a serious time as well. Totally, and that's exactly what I was going to comment on. It was a really good trip. I think the time frame that we were there was just in the heat of just the crisis, right? The humanitarian rawness and disaster that the border was experiencing. I mean, I remember the moments when we... We stepped into one of the uh, humanitarian shelters and we saw just a mass of people literally right in, in the in the heat of the summer in South Texas, close to 100 degrees and there was no air conditioning, no showers, barely any infrastructure to really accommodate the rawness and just the, the immense need that at that time asylum seekers were facing on the border. And we were there during that time and it was extremely raw. There was no time to process. There was just time to keep doing whatever was needed to get done in order to meet the needs of, of, of those who were extremely vulnerable. And during that trip, we had a lot of conversation and as best as possible, try to unpack right what was happening along the South Texas border, which ultimately reflected um, issues and policies that were also in effect all along the U.S. and Mexico border. And then one of the things that I really loved about our conversation was just how we were bringing the humanity 
to the forefront of this conversation because oftentimes it's really the people that are being impacted where we see the suffering, where we see how they're just literally fighting, right, for for something better to stay alive, for, for, for a new beginning in many ways. So what was one moment? I know that our trip was short in time length, but walk through us to an, through an experience that just stands out to you still today from that trip? Yeah, I think, uh, and, and we'll get to the Kickstarter that we're working on in a little bit and one of the images, but I, I think it was the shoelaces. And so we were at a shelter and there was uh, maybe a bus load or two of people there. And uh, while we were there, another bus load arrived. And so there were a hundred, 200, I don't, you know, I don't know the number, yeah. um, but people walking around and, and none of them had shoelaces hmm. and we found out, I believe we've been able to confirm this in our research that, uh, shoelaces are considered, uh, dangerous or, you know, potential weapon. Or, and so they're taken from the migrants as they go through processing at detention centers in the U S. And I think that's the complexity of the situation that we've talked about a lot, because from a capacity standpoint, you know, the, the U.S. wasn't prepared for that. We're not prepared mm-hmm. to handle hundreds of thousands of people coming through at ports of entry and outside of ports of entry. When, when that happens, all of a sudden, what kind of processes do you put in place and how do you handle that? Mm-hmm. It's tough. But then from the human standpoint, I mean, these people are traveling. And I mean, the, the most basic way to travel is to walk. Mm-hmm. Uh and and we're releasing them into the U.S. without shoelaces. That's that's the complexity right there. Yeah. And I think the obvious need for compassion, like that's just a human issue at that point. Totally. Uh, regardless of how you feel about who can and can't come into the country. Yeah. That's an image that has stuck in my mind and obviously aided by one of the photos that Anna took for us of a woman that we saw who agreed to let her, yeah. her photo be taken uh, of her shoes. I remember that. Instant, honestly, that is that memory is coming to mind right now, and it is just it was powerful because you saw it all around, and you saw the devastation that like was in front of our eyes, and it was just humbling that we could be there to witness, but not only to witness, but really to to tell the story, right? And I think uh, ultimately we'll we'll unpack exactly what you're doing with Liberatus more. One of the questions that I often, especially even after that trip, which was really raw, I started to even question, can the situation on the border get any worse? And it's unfortunate that I get to say this, but it did. And it has, and it continues to, right? In the midst of this pandemic, obviously this last year or so now has been extremely difficult for not only the United States, but globally for for many people. I know that specifically in our nation, right? The pandemic, political and racial unrest. In the middle of all of this, we're just trying to understand what is our role? How do we contribute to the healing and the process and the journey that we're all on? And so I know that that takes shape in different ways for for all of us, I know that for me, it woven into the work that we're doing at Border Perspective. On your side of things, I know that at the end of 2020, you were managing a political campaign in Dallas, Texas, while at the same time working on Liberatus. And just kind of give us a little bit of background into like your last year, I'll catch us up a little bit on just even what life is currently like now in Virginia. Earlier in the year, uh, in 2020, you and I had recorded uh, seven hours of conversation. Uh, <laughs> from the trip and then afterwards. And so I spent probably the end of 2019 uh, transcribing that 
and then turning it into a story, which we'll tell on the Liberatus platform in, in volume one. Again, more on that coming. But I spent last spring, I was actually working at a, at a grocery delivery company in order to pay bills. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hit. And so that became an overtime job, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, because the, the demand for grocery we were, you know, five, 10 years ahead of where we thought yeah. we would be uh, business wise in my spare time writing that story. And, and that was, you've got a, a lot of great things to share. So I'm, I am excited to be able to share that in more detail. But as the spring turned into summer, got asked to manage a congressional race in Texas. And I guess just for the sake of clarity and legal disclaimer, that was in my personal capacity. Uh, Mm -hmm. Liberatus is a nonprofit. So anything that I'm talking about on the campaign side was something I did Mm -hmm. in a personal capacity. I went out and uh, we had to collect signatures to get on the ballot and ran that campaign. And honestly, most of the time I spent on the campaign and for the first time I started Liberatus uh, about six years ago. So five and a half years really was working on it Hmm. that whole time. And so the campaign was the first time where i spent a couple of months not really working on it. Uh, And that turned out to be pretty life-giving in a couple of ways. First of all, having worked in Congress, I often say if if Congress looks dysfunctional from the outside, imagine what it feels like on the inside, because it feels Mm -hmm. worse on the inside than it looks from the outside, in my experience. And there's a a lot of really great opportunities and colleagues that I I love and, you know, people that I worked with who I still keep in touch with. But I think as a culture, we can can do better. But one of the things that was great about the campaign is that it was a chance to reimagine some of that. I spent the last six years writing about wholeness in politics and being able to jump into the campaign in an election cycle and to be able to take some of the ideas that we've been writing about and turn them into a congressional platform. So the candidate that I was working with, Mark Bauer, he ran as an independent in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. As we were talking about the direction the policy platform should go, one of the ideas that we really decided to focus on was this idea to create a truth and reconciliation caucus in the U.S. Congress. So similar concept to a truth and reconciliation commission that South Africa has had, and some have suggested we should do the same thing here in the U.S. But ultimately the point of it, whichever form it would take, would just be to elevate the conversation around race specifically and reconciliation. Uh, Other, I think, marginalized groups also. But to be able to have an elevated conversation, to be able to hear other people's perspectives. And so that's, if you were to take the leap from Let's learn from the experiences of other people in a nonprofit setting in order to get that inspiration to be, to overcome us versus the narratives and become Americans the next generation will love. Turn that into a, a congressional platform. Mm-hmm. And it really does just mean listening to other people and mm-hmm. bringing more perspectives to the table. Again, that's a that campaign side is, is a, what I'm saying in my personal capacity. That is not an official position of Liberatus as a nonprofit. Yeah. But those that's how it, we kind of balance those two things yeah. uh, while I was there. Awesome. And so all those things obviously come from somewhere, right? There's a vision. There's a desire to see things differently. And ultimately, I see it showcased in, in the projects that you're undertaking, right? Whether it's a personal you know, endeavor that you're doing, like you know, managing this political uh, campaign that you were, and then also just in your nonprofit work, which is Liberatus. And so for those of us, I mean, we've kind of heard a little bit about Liberatus and storytelling and, and the trip that we took and this and that, but just kind of break it down. What is Liberatus? Share it with us a little bit more of, of that vision. 
Yeah, Liberatus is a community journal on wholeness in politics, giving us inspiration to overcome us versus them narratives and become Americans the next generation will love. So what does that mean? I'll give you a little bit of the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started it in 2015 with my brothers, our designer, and friends who joined the board right away and some writers. So there was a, a small group of us. But originally, the idea was really just to be a platform for creative writing for professionals mm-hmm. in politics and government. Having worked on the Hill and seen how things operate firsthand, there is talent there that doesn't necessarily have an outlet for the full capacity that it could be. Congress is run by 25-year-olds. Everybody mm-hmm. who's spent time in Congress kind of knows that. I mean, that's it's not literally 25-year-olds, but for the most part, that, that's what a congressional office looks like. Mm-hmm. And so there is, there is a sense of there's talent here where, you know, we need to fix the national debt and, you know, we need to talk about the, the environment and we need to talk about national defense and taxes. And there's kind of this weird culture where you're really busy. You often don't really know what you're trying to accomplish. And then Congress goes out of session and everybody's so burned out from being busy from not really doing anything, that it's like just kind of this perpetual like machine that's not going anywhere. And so for, from an internal perspective, I'm like, let's just have this creative outlet so mm. that at least we can get outside of the dear colleagues, which are just letters to different offices, you know, to promote a, a piece of legislation or, or something to that effect. And so it started there. Over the last six years, we have published over 100 journal entries mm. on this idea of wholeness in politics and political healing. And I think that during that time, for me, we found some answers that I didn't even necessarily know that we were looking for around this idea of how do you give peace a voice in Washington? That was kind of a revelation. And I think now we have launched this Kickstarter to launch our first print volume, mm-hmm. similar to what Nations does, uh, Adventure Journal is another one that I subscribe to, Darling, Ken Folk, Serial. Uh, so similar in style to, to any of those, thick paper, beautiful photography. Uh, so we are currently running that campaign on Kickstarter right mm-hmm. now. At the time of this recording, we've had a solid first 48 hours and uh, awesome. uh, over 30 people have contributed. So we have a long way to go uh, over the next four weeks, but so far so good. And really, now that we've kind of created that body of work online, we want to be able to offer a print version for inspiration for that journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think that uh, so many of us feel like we want to disengage. Uh, we don't feel at peace with the process. We wouldn't be proud to look at the next generation and say, this is the best we can do. Yeah. You know, I don't ever want my youngest niece to have to sit through a presidential election cycle like the last two that we've had. And, wow. and I can't change that on my own, but I can begin to change the conversation uh, mm-hmm. and work with my colleagues where I'm at. And I think all of us can do that where we're at. And so this is an opportunity to be part of a new conversation, uh, to introduce new stories into America's dialogue that are centered on healing and unity and what that means to give that inspiration uh, to overcome this idea of us versus them. Yeah, and that's so important. And obviously, like I, I just see in, in your story and even in your journey, right, how you're tackling uh, the things that, that you personally know about and care about because you have been in those roles, right, uh, in politics. You have been in those offices and, you know, you have colleagues who still uh, work there and are involved. And in, in many aspects of it, you continue to be involved. It's it's bringing that healing, right, and, and, and a different voice to the table, which often may maybe came about 
when you realize like there's something missing we're on this journey to bring wholeness but if something's missing and if no one else is creating it like ultimately right uh, this is kind of how i felt with border perspective it fell on me i didn't want it but it fell on me to like see that forth and so that's exactly what i i see you doing with liberatus and so i just applaud you for i know that starting anything and i know how how many years you've been working on this as well it's tough it's a tough journey but i'm glad to just be walking this journey with you i'm glad that we've had the experiences that we've shared together and i'm excited about this next phase of of liberatus in volume one this podcast it's titled peacemakers which ultimately you know comes from matthew chapter 5 verse 9 like blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of god and in many ways being a peacemaker it, it involves bringing peace to those around us those who are hurting those who need hope and in many ways i, I see the work that you're doing being a, a space where we're trying to mend something that's broken mend the divide and so from what i know about your work and you personally you fit the mold of a peacemaker and so i just just want to follow up with what does peacemaking look like in your space of influence on a day-to-day basis through the work that you're doing through Liberatus and why is bringing peace to Washington so important to your vision especially in this device and time that we're all facing in American politics to me it looks like three things and earlier in the conversation I mentioned we found answers for how to give peace a voice uh, but before I talk about that I think on January 6th when the Capitol was attacked we saw the result of us versus them narratives. You know, this goes back years and years and years. This is this is not something that just came about in the last couple of years. There is a piece written on Liberatus in 2016. We published a journal entry. We did a, a journal series on the Chronicles of Narnia. The title of the series was called Remember Your Fairy Tales. And one of the writers who was a staffer in the U.S. Congress wrote this in a line on the last battle. I think we published it right after the 2016 election. And the staffer said this, the last battle is our war against the temptation to control our fellow men with lies and narratives. And if we delude ourselves into feeding the narrative, we eventually find it staring back with the power to kill us. Hmm. And I thought about that uh, on January 6th, because this was a result of us versus them narratives in creating a culture within political rhetoric in which violence is the inevitable outcome. And I feel like this writer and some of the people on our team have seen that coming for years, not specifically by any means, but even there were some things that I wrote as a congressional staffer that I've contacted the office and apologized for. And whether they think that apology was needed or not, I felt like the words were inflammatory. You know, there's an example of why it's necessary because we see what happens. How do we go about being a peacemaker. Richard Rohr is someone who I follow fairly regularly uh, and, and have read a decent amount of his writings. Something that he said uh, and probably has written on, on multiple platforms between his daily meditations and, and uh, books and so forth was just the, this idea of Trinity and how it's the nature of everything. And once you see that, you'll start seeing it everywhere. And I remember reading that and thinking it was an interesting thought. And as I was processing kind of the first four or five years of what we wrote on the Liberatus platform, I realized that there were really three things that emerged and that we were saying the same things over and over and over, and it was the same three things. And I see this absolutely everywhere, but the way to be a peacemaker to me, it's first of all, to be inclusive. Inclusive communities would be the number one thing. Number two is this idea of contemplation. And I think Richard Rohr would define it better than I do in its entire context. But for me, in the political context, I would say that 
first of all, it's being rooted as a child of God and understanding we are children of God and, and being grounded in that capacity. Uh, Henry Nowen has said something to the effect of, I mean, ministry is really just helping people realize that they are loved by God. And, uh, and I think Richard Rohr said the same thing. So I may be getting this too confused, but similar ideas from both. Mm -hmm. If we can just get people to understand that, if we can understand that and feel that on a daily basis, that totally changes the game for how we show up in the world. And so, and then in politics, we have to stay grounded ourselves, but we also need to understand that wisdom matters more than ideology. One of the things that I really saw as a congressional staffer is that if you only focus on your ideology, your positions are ultimately going to lack nuance. Hmm. And this is especially true for, for followers of Christ, because our policies aren't going to bring about the kingdom of heaven. Whatever our policy, whatever we think our policies are going to accomplish, they're not going to get there all the way. And so that means there's gaps. And so where are those gaps? And so wisdom is asking better questions to be able to to understand that and listening to other viewpoints helps in that pursuit of wisdom. So inclusive communities, wisdom and staying grounded are the first two. And then the third one uh, would just be creativity. And these are the three primary core values of Liberatus too: community, contemplation, creativity, uh, but just creating new solutions. And so it's not necessarily about reiterating the same talking points, election cycle after election cycle, and doing everything that's been done before. Sure, sometimes there are things that work and we can you know, build on that. But those are the, the three ways. And what I would argue and what I feel confident of, because I see this absolutely everywhere, is that anytime something is off, anytime there's conflict, anytime we don't feel at peace ourselves, one of those three things is missing or out of whack or out of alignment. And I think those three categories, like anytime you have three things that are truly unique from everything that I have seen over the last couple of years. It is always those same three things that I just outlined. Maybe they're worded a little bit differently, but I want to, to give you an example. Um, I went to LeaderCast in 2019 and one of the speakers had written about successful teams and what makes a successful team. And he said that they have to be hungry, humble, and smart. And as I broke down what he meant by that, I'm like this community contemplation and creativity. After the Capitol was attacked, I went back and, and was reading some things that previous presidents have said that were a little bit more unifying. And I found a quote from George W. Bush, his first inaugural. And he essentially said, the sentence was developed a little bit more, but it was those same three things. And so it's kind of wild, but I just, mm. I see them absolutely everywhere I turn. And so I think that our team in some ways, you know, it, it feels like we're sitting on gold or something with the content that we've produced and some of it is maybe a, a little bit raw at times. And, you know, as a creative and artist, uh, storyteller, uh, I want to get better in, in what we're doing. There's still content there that I'm just like, man, this is the answer. Implementing it is difficult, but that is the answer for the starting point mm. and for how to be a peacemaker. And that's what I think is missing from political culture as a whole. Uh, and that, that I'd like to call it an ethos of peace. And it's just a, a totally different way of going about things. You know, the inspiration that we see when we follow things like the Olympics or, you know, just see a, a good Nike commercial or something, mm -hmm. right? Like it, it's inclusive. Uh, the person is grounded. It's creative, right? Uh, and so you see it there. You see it in other places in our culture. So why can't we bring that into politics. I, I think that we can. And again, the content that we're creating now is really inspiration for that journey. That's awesome. That's yeah. I love how you, I love how you broke it down. And I think it's, it, it's simple and 
it, it, I think it, it sounds simple, but um, I think those ideas, if, if we really start to understand them, I think we all can find ways to implement those things within our lives and even ultimately bring peace to, honestly, like not even just to those around us, but to ourselves. Because I mean, if anything, I know that I've personally learned in this pandemic, it's like, I just need to be at peace with me, right? Internally, and yeah. in order to reflect and to portray that peace to other people. And so within my family, within my circle of influence and, and such. And so thanks for sharing more about that. So let's jump right into just like Kickstarter. I mean, this is why we're yeah. having this conversation. I'm really excited about just this next section. And so volume one has the theme of refuge. Honestly, like everything that you're sharing is just so relevant to the conversation that I think more people should be engaging in right now. Just the steam of refuge, like in volume one, I'm excited to just hear more about it. And I know that in your Kickstarter right now, so it's uh, Liberatus Journal Volume One is described as a photographic print journal on wholeness and politics with inspiration to become Americans that next generation will love. As you mentioned, volume one has stories of advocating for refuge, the displaced and marginalized. And so I'm personally honored that you're including stories about the border and immigration, along with so many other impactful stories that are about many people who are overcoming adversity and creating a better life for themselves and for those around them. And so volume one has been four years in the making, right? And so tell us a little bit about just what that process has been like for you and the team that has collaborated with you. I know that you're telling many, many stories. And so talk to us a little bit about that process. On a personal note, it really is the most exciting thing that I've ever been able to work on and put together. And a big reason for that is the team uh, that's that has made it happen. And I, when I think about how this started, going all the way back four years ago, Nations, another publication that I write for, offered for me to interview Eric and Lisa So for uh, Nations Volume 3, I believe, uh, to tell their story. They moved into a community where refugees are often resettled just to live among them and eventually planted a church. Uh, so I had the opportunity to tell their story. And that was a little bit of a green light to say that this was a topic that we should continue to pursue. Met someone who's been a, an integral part of the journey. Hope is her name, but she found us through Nations. Connected me to Refuge Coffee Company, uh, who's one of our partners, or, or told me about them. Different people that have been involved. You know, I think of our editor Claire. There was a, a church beach trip, uh, I think, in 2015 when mm -hmm. we first started Liberatus, and you know, it sounds super Billy Graham esque. I remember at one point we just walked down the beach and. I was telling her about Liberatus and she's like, yeah, I've been. And she's been editing with us ever since. And, wow. and almost all of that is volunteer. Uh, my brother is our designer and people compliment how things look all of the time. Uh, that's that's my brother's doing. And his full-time job is a senior designer at a firm in South Carolina. And he's doing this on top of a pretty an extremely demanding workload. I mean, I'm just kind of amazed at, at what he's been able to produce with volume one. Another one of our writers who wrote a few pieces for volume one is a friend of mine, Emma. When, when you and I were planning the trip to the border, just jumped right on it and, and flew down with us. And so, you know, when I think about the last four years, it's really all of these different people. And there are more that I haven't mentioned. And, and some of our team have to be part of it in an anonymous capacity just because of the nature of their jobs. But it's really those people that have been part of it that have made it possible, people that have donated financially and the people that have touched the creation process of volume one, whether that was just a referral or 
helping me, you know, with my own mental headspace uh, as a creator and a leader, that's at, at least 50 people, uh, if not more. And so it really has taken a pretty big team to be able to pull it off. The main thing that stands out about the process over the last four years is that, you know, it, it does feel like running an ultra marathon in a lot of ways, kind of being stuck on mile 27 of an, of an ultra for four years. <laughs> but here we are, and there's still a long way to go. But uh, I'm, just, I'm excited to be able to roll out what the team has created. Yeah, for sure. Those are unbelievable stories. And like I said, we're honored that stories from the border and even my personal journey, right, is a highlight as one of the stories in in a, a really substantial publication, right? You talked about 170, right, plus pages. Yeah, I don't have the exact count, but totally, just it's, based on the number of stories and photos that we have, I, I would imagine. For sure. And around that there. Exactly. And so what is your goal with this Kickstarter? And what will reaching this goal do for the future uh, future publications and even just uh, the vision of Liberatus. Reaching the goal means that we can print volume one and begin distributing it. If we go beyond the goal, that means we can start work on volume two. And the mission of the organization is to produce two volumes a year with inspiration, again, to become Americans and next generational love. One of the things that came out of my time in Texas as well is changing our goal. And so originally, I think I mentioned this earlier, our focus was giving this platform to professionals in politics and government and creating an experience for them that would be really life-giving. I still want that to be true, but we've changed our goal. And now in the long run, we want to be able to give 20% of contributions that come in for each print volume to partner organizations who are giving peace of voice across mm. the United States. And so, you know, excited to be working with you and Border Perspective uh, as our first partner organization. Uh, another one is Refuge Coffee Company, the Atlanta area. And you can read more about uh, what they're doing on, on the website, but uh, job training uh, for people who came to the U.S. as refugees also mm-hmm. uh, is a big part of what they do and offering welcome. And so ideally what would happen with this Kickstarter is not only do we, do we fund volume one, but build the support network to be able to continue to tell these stories, have outlined story concepts and themes that would last us 10 years. And so mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's no shortage of things that we can write about from a creative standpoint, stories that we can tell, interviews that we can include. And so I think my question for you know, people that are listening to this is, does this resonate with you? Do you want it to exist in this platform? There are some things, ways we could engage with the community beyond print that I would love to do as well. This is really the, the start of it and being able to build that conversation and, and being able to create something that you know people would love to have on their coffee table and yeah. to be able to share with their friends and you know, just ethos and a brand and a approach to storytelling that is just totally outside the box uh, totally. from what we normally see because we're not ideology isn't our purpose. It's really just this holistic look of reality and also, you know, coming at it from a spiritual standpoint. So yeah, the long term to fund the volume, we need just over twenty six thousand uh, dollars to be able to print and distribute it. We've had a great couple of days, the first forty eight hours. Uh, we're a little bit ahead of what I, I thought we would do for our capacity in the past, but hopefully we can go far, far beyond that in the coming days. 
Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, everything that you just described, the volume as, and even just the future of the goal and Liberata is why I'm excited about it, why I'm so on board. And uh, like I said, not only because we're personal friends, but I think it's just the, the wider reach and the empowerment that I see that a structure like the one that you're building, right, and the voice that you're giving writers, right, who are embedded within politics, but then also empowering the, the peacemaking work that is happening within organizations like Border Perspective. That refuge coffee company and, and many others that are going to be in the future of that is just awesome. I, I love it. And so, so simple question. If someone wants a copy of volume one, how can they back this initiative? Just search for Liberatus on Kickstarter and that's L-I-B-E-R-A-T-U-S. Uh, or you can go to liberatusdc.org and you'll see uh, the banner at the top of the page with a link to our Kickstarter. You can go on there, just back it on Kickstarter, share it with everyone, uh, you know, ideally, so we can build up the, the network uh, yeah. to get it done. Awesome. Well, hey, Caleb, thank you so much for just talking with me. I, I, I love your heart. I love the this initiative and I'm excited to, to see it come to live. And so thank you again. Thank you. So good to be with you. Thank you for tuning into our conversation. You can find more about Liberatus on social media at Liberatus DC. You can check out their website at liberatusdc.org and make sure to back their Kickstarter today. Again, Caleb, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Yes, and to our listeners, thank you for listening. If there's anything that stood out to you from this conversation, we'll post links about it in our show notes. So make sure to check those out. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peacemakers. Wherever you subscribe to podcasts, go ahead and hit subscribe. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and share this episode with your friends through Instagram stories on Spotify. And most importantly, don't forget to join us for our next exciting episode. Peacemakers podcast is made possible by Border Perspective. Border Perspective partners with ministry leaders and organizations to host conversations on social and biblical issues that help equip the church to love our neighbor the way God intended. You can also join Border Perspective on a service learning trip along the southern border. These trips are immersive, educational, and intentionally place you into the lives of immigrant leaders serving families on the South Texas and Mexico border. To learn more about how you can join Border Perspective's peacemaking mission, visit borderperspective.org.